You're listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, where we share with you the adventures of small business, the community, and folks in communications. Every three weeks, we share a behind-the-scenes look of what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and we chat with other small business owners and communication specialists about the realities of this line of work. We are your hosts, Chief Technology Officer Dan Nicholson and Chief Communications Officer Sagan Morrow. Candid Conversations is proudly presented by Juxta Communications. This is episode number nine. Thanks to the Gas Station Arts Center for sponsoring this episode. So we have a really great interview today with Amy Tuckett, communication specialist for the Women's Health Clinic. But as always, before we get to our candid conversation with her, we want to give you a little update on our own business. Yeah. As everyone knows here, we are Juxa Communications. And August was really busy. You're starting to put together the case study right now. Yes. Yes. So I'm starting to put together the case study. By the time that you are listening to this, our case study will already be published And you can check that out at candidpodcast.ca slash case study. Um, But it's kind of fun to be putting together the case study every month because we get to take a a look back at what we accomplished over the past month. And so, yeah, August, August, we kind of did a lot. Every, every month when you're putting this case study together, we're like, oh, we didn't do a lot with our business. But uh, this one, again, we did a (laughs) lot. We got a few clients that we're working with right now. we finished a project for one client, and they hired us on to do another project, which is always exciting. That's true. Uh, we did get another client that you're currently about to start working with this week. I yes, believe. yes, that's correct. Um, we got approved to be featured as a speaker at the Work at Home Summit, which is being launched in early 2018. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff we just, well, we in August, I should say, September 1st, we met with our lawyer. We actually have started the incorporation. Yeah, which is so exciting. And I think that, you know, fingers crossed, everything goes really well. But by the time that this is published, we should be incorporated. Yeah. Uh, uh, What we should state is that you do not just get incorporated (laughs) when you're sitting with the lawyer. (laughs) For anyone who's actually watched Silicon Valley, where he goes into like, cash his check for the bank. We were like, oh, why are we incorporated right now? Yeah. Yeah, we forgot about the paperwork. <laughs> I don't know how we both managed to forget about that. It was pretty, pretty entertaining. It was pretty bad. <laughs> so one of the things that we're uh, now looking at in our business plan is that we're shifting our marketing specifically to our products. Yes. So we've been kind of struggling with this basically ever since we decided to start our communications agency, Juxta Communications, uh, back in April. We've we've been trying to figure out how we take our existing courses, which are all for new freelancers and online business owners, and how we navigate that and combine it really well with our communication services and how that all kind of works. And it's felt like we've had multiple audiences, like multiple ideal clients, and we've just kind of been struggling with getting everything to complement each other really well. So we came up with this concept to only market ourselves as doing the product side of things, which is really great because now we can work with business owners and bloggers and freelancers and all these different people, nonprofit organizations, and provide them with DIY tools at a very affordable rate 
rather than doing only services, which, you know, is certainly pricier, um, even though you then don't have to do it yourself. So yeah, now that we're pushing our marketing into the products, uh, one of the great things that uh, we're going to also work with is in networking or networking in person uh, for client services. And a lot of our uh, jobs right now have been word of mouth, which has been great. Yes. Dan happens to be connected to people who are just the right fit for our services. So that's that's worked out fantastic. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> uh, and luckily, I've been able to, through other agencies that I've worked with and you know, being well connected has been kind of nice. People are willing to give us a try, which is awesome, uh, which is really helping kind of kickstart the business. So allowing us to have a little bit of capital in the bank account to uh, focus on the products. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest things right now that we're kind of focusing on with our business plan. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting because doing it this way just makes so much more sense for our uh, business values, where we really want to ensure that we are working with, you know, nonprofits and all of this type of thing um, and really providing the tools to make our clients' lives easier. So that's where these sort of DIY courses are going to come in so, so perfectly, like so useful for everyone. Yeah. And I think what will help with these will provide us back to our clients um, the ability to make us feel like we're an authority figure on the topics. But I think that's enough about us Mm -hmm. uh, because we have a fantastic conversation coming up with Amy from the Women's Health Clinic. And this is our candid conversation. Let's begin with you just telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, My name is Amy Tekka McKimsey, and I'm the communications team leader for Women's Health Clinic. Uh, So we have sort of a a small team at Women's Health Clinic. There's me, there's a resource coordinator, and there's a communications coordinator. So I manage that team and handle the communications, the media relations, any of the marketing promo, that sort of stuff. Awesome. And how long have you been doing that for? Uh, I came to Women's Health Clinic shortly after I graduated back in 2013. So it's been about five years, um, four to five years, but I did take a year off uh, for mat leave. Awesome. And that was graduating from Red River's Creative Communications program. Yeah, it was uh, the CreCom program as well as the U of W program. So I did the joint program. Oddly enough, I actually started uh, the program back in 1999, and then I did not get into the CreCom program, and so I took uh, some years off and I became a massage therapist, but I, my first love has always been writing and communication, so I decided to go back, uh, back in 2010. So I guess that kind of answers why you got into communications. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, it does. No, it's okay. and, but uh I also, as a massage therapist, I actually didn't like being a small business owner. So I really commend anyone who is. It's really tough. And so one of the things that um, when I went back to school, I had always thought I wanted to be a journalist, but I actually went into public relations because I wanted the more nine to five type job and more stable. Hmm. I think that's so cool that you managed to figure that out, that you know you tried it and you figured out that it's not the right thing for you because so so many pieces around owning a small business or doing all those different types of things are not for everyone, right? So it's good to be able to look into that and decide whether it's right for you or not. 
Absolutely. I think one of the the hard things that, um, for instance, as being a massage therapist is that you actually don't realize when you go into it, you just kind of like all the, I was drawn to sort of the anatomy and fixing people and all that kind of, that kind of thing. But what I didn't realize was all the evenings I'd have to work, all the weekends, that I'm actually a contractor, that I don't get benefits, I don't get vacation. All of those things factor into like you get great flexibility, but then there's that other side too. So I think being able to weigh that um, was important for me. And at one point that was really great, but now I felt like I wanted more stability. So you've been with the Women's Health Clinic for three years, you said? Yeah, three to four years, Yeah. yeah. And so what does a typical day look like to you? You know, it's funny how it depends, and I'm sure any small business owner can attest to this, that sometimes you're really, really busy, and then sometimes you are still busy, but not as busy. So it depends if there's an event coming up. If there is, then pretty much everything is dropped, and we're doing social media, we're doing all those types of things, we're getting together run lists, we're making sure everything is um, put together. And one thing that I'm... Um, not super great for it is I always feel like I can do better so if I have free time leading up to an event then I'm trying to do extra and it just keeps the list keeps growing and growing Um, and then when I'm not as busy I'm a lot of times I'm in strategic planning meetings we're trying to do a lot of partnerships so working with WHA programs working with community programs I do a lot of strategic planning with them seeing how women's health clinic can help them and vice versa um so a lot of that i'm doing during the day as well in addition to social media and all the regular daily communications with our e-news and that type of thing do you do any of the communications after hours at all uh yes (laughs) (laughs) i do i um i try and limit that a bit uh at Women's Health Clinic, they really try and do a work-life balance. Uh, I'm not the best at that. Um, I have it on my phone, and a lot of times we'll have social media posts pop up or that type of thing, and so I am checking my phone a lot, and I do find that it is sort of a 24-7 job, even if you try and not make it that way. It's really difficult to set boundaries for that kind of thing when you are in charge of so many, so many different areas that pieces can feel like it's urgent, right? If you get a post on social media, or if you've put out a press release and someone is contacting you, or if you're getting certain emails. I remember when I was working at a nonprofit, it felt like I was, yeah, I was just working all the time because I felt like I needed to be in the moment every single moment. Absolutely. And I think with communications, even if you're a small business owner and you work for yourself or you work for a nonprofit organization, I don't actually know, um, you know, how you get around that or how you find that work-life balance. I, uh, that's something I really struggle with maybe because I got into communication sort of late in the game in my mid thirties. But I, I really find that, um, I struggle with that because you just feel like you need to respond right away. And people do judge you on how fast you can respond. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Um, which might be actually be a good segue into the challenges that you uh, face as a communications uh, manager. So I think um, that is some of the challenge is that work-life balance part, but also you people do judge you on how you um, fast you respond. I know we were in a partnership with a number of other agencies, but I was handling the social media for the Women's March that happened this past January. Um, and we had some... Um, 
trans misogyny posted on the events page. We were all in a planning meeting. I was not looking at my phone because I was helping to chair this meeting. And two hours after when I got out, we had I had like 250 new notifications and a situation that you had to manage and people were calling us out for not responding fast enough. Hmm. So I think um, those types of challenges where you almost need to have backup of backups yeah. uh, are really important to have because a situation can escalate very quickly. Well, and especially when you're dealing with topics that and, and issues that so many people unfortunately find very controversial, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you also do a lot of work around unplanned pregnancies, which is so important. So I expect that's also something that you've had to sort of navigate. What has that been like, just dealing with all these controversial issues? And how have you handled that as a communications manager? Well, I think um, I like to... I like to consult with who has the expertise. So I'm lucky in my organization because we have um, women who have worked there for years and years and years, who worked with Morgan Toller, who were there uh, in Toronto when it was firebombed. Um, we have so many amazing women that uh, really guide the expertise and the nuance. When we're dealing with controversial issues, a lot of times they're controversial because there's a lot of nuance there. And sometimes that's either missed and that's why it's controversial. So I think that um, consulting with women who have that expertise really helps in those controversial issues. And another thing, like an example that um, we had recently was um, we generally don't respond to anti-choice uh, press in the media there there's no point to doing that we don't like to engage with that because abortion is a legal procedure and and um that's sort of been our message however there was a display with pink and blue flags about every baby lost to abortion which um we like to actually take that message and turn it around and so when we got asked for comments we said well every one of those flags uh symbolizes a flag of choice So they can do that, but that's how we see it. So to be able to kind of uh, massage that message a little bit and and turn it around and make it work for us is also, I think, a way to sort of handle that as well. I love that. That's fantastic. What has it been like for your social media accounts? Like, I'm curious, do you... Do you get a lot of trolls and that kind of thing ever? Or do do you do a lot of marketing around the abortion services specifically? Or is that something that... Uh, we do a lot of advocacy around it. Right. So we've been very, uh, we've been advocating towards uh, Mifigamiso, which is the abortion pill, because we believe that uh, access to that will open up in uh, many communities that currently don't have abortion services. Um, it has been a challenge. Uh Sometimes on our social media, we do get trolls. And I know sort of the ongoing peace or ongoing sort of debate in communications is to sort of let those debates play out on our page. But anything that's anti-choice, we actually delete off. And we tell people we delete it off because we manage that space and that needs to be a safe space for people who visit. Um, so we, I don't actually feel bad about deleting those at all. They can have that discussion somewhere else, but it won't happen on our Facebook page. Um, and so a lot of that kind of stuff um, is sort of controversial. We have gotten some uh, threats via email uh, that are pl- that we report to both the National Abortion Federation as well as the police. But um, for the most part, the trolls kind of stay off our page. So 
kind well, of nice. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's useful too for other people who might have you know certain topics or issues that are seen as controversial for them. I guess so. You mm-hmm. probably would recommend that if they are managing their own social media mm-hmm. accounts, then deleting those things that just aren't productive or constructive, anything trolls sort of type of thing to just delete those and have some kind of maybe disclaimer or something that those will be deleted? Um, Yes, but I think it's important to also note the difference between um, trolling or that type of like anti-choice rhetoric Mm -hmm. and getting called out. Because I think when I was the social media manager for um, Women's March, one of the things that we didn't come out with was a strong enough statement in support of sex work. And so um, they rightfully called us out and said, you need to make a statement that sex work is work. And so we consulted with um, some people that were um, within the working group for the Manitoba Manitobans for sex work. And they gave us some language and we posted it. And so I think there's a difference between trolling and rightfully getting called out. So be able to being like, sort of self-reflective and knowing what the difference is because it is, again, sort of nuanced, right? Communications is like that, that you sort of have to look at um, what is being said and listen to it and then decide how you're going to go forward. If it's just trolling, fine. But if it's getting called out, you need to listen, you need to own it and apologize and then do better. (laughs) Yes, yes. Especially when it comes to things like feminism, which can Mm -hmm. be I think so often, you know, we don't go far enough with it, right? Mm-hmm. And we aren't as intersectional as we want to be. And and that can be a real problem when especially, like, I mean, I know there's a white woman, right? Like, it's so, as a straight woman, as a middle class woman, as an ape, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. so many different pieces that it's, it becomes such an issue if we don't make sure that we are going to that extra sort of, that we are taking that extra step. So that is really important that it is being called out when we aren't taking the extra steps. And making sure we have space for that and making sure that we provide a space for people um, to be able to call us out and for us to hear them and to do better and for other people to hear that so people aren't constantly educating others and educating others and then putting all this effort into educating someone and then us just just deleting it. Like that isn't helpful either. So I think... um, Yes, making sure that we're we're providing space for people as well without just shutting them down. But I mean, a troll is also a troll. So we have to, <laughs> you have to manage that as well. I love that. That's so, this is so important. This is very, very good. Hey, Dan, what are you going to do after you have gotten married and you're home from your honeymoon and you don't have any more wedding planning? That's going to give you a huge amount of time on your hands. That is true. I actually have no idea what I'm going to be doing when I get back. Well, the Winnipeg Improv Festival is taking place October 17th to 21st, so you should totally check that out. That sounds pretty cool. Where's that being held at? Most of the shows are going to be at the Gas Station Art Centre, and there's going to be amazing improv performers and storytellers coming in from all across Canada and the United States as well. Uh, yeah, that actually sounds really cool. When did you say it was? October 17th to 21st, right here in Winnipeg. And where would I go to get tickets? Well, you can get online tickets and also check out the full schedule of performers at winnipegimprov.com or visit candidpodcast.ca slash improv. Uh, yep, definitely going to do that when I get back. Being the communications manager with such a hot topic, uh, I, I mean, 
being what it is, I suppose. But with it, like, how do you respond to those people? Like, what kind of checks do you have as the communication manager? And like you said, like, how do we educate and apologize and that kind of thing? Is it just you and your team? Is it I have to go to the executive director? We need to talk to a certain amount of people because you said there is a a lot of speed to be had in those situations. So walk me through exactly how that is processed. You know, it's really different for every situation, which is kind of, um, which can can be frustrating as a communications manager. Sometimes you just have to go with your gut. And I know that um, when that situation happened with the Women's March, um, I immediately sent out an email to all the organizations because I didn't know if it was going to be controversial among those organizations, especially the ones like when you engage in a partnership and, you know, um, organizations like uh, Black Space, uh, Earcom, um, Queer People of Color, they were all around the table. And so I didn't want to just speak for the people that were all around the table. But again, there's some speed. So we tried to kind of say, if you haven't responded in the next couple hours, this is the statement we're going with. And just, you know, hoping that that was okay with everybody. Um, Some of the feedback we've gotten too, there are certain key people in the organization, the executive director for one. One of them is our social worker who really is phenomenal a phenomenal feminist she's just amazing and um her name is sharon young and she often will let me know who to speak with if it's not her but but there's a lot of feminist analysis that goes on at women's health clinic um i think that's when you work with you know 100 feminists that's what happens but i think taking the temperature within the organization that way is how i sort of gauge that and sometimes like it's not always my opinion on these things and sometimes there is precedence for it we have position papers so if there's something that's come up a lot of times um women within the organization at women's health clinic will write a position paper about this should be our position on the issue and so um that's been really helpful as well to kind of reflect back on that and know sort of where our organization is at for that it sounds like a very stressful position but what's your favorite thing to do there? And what do you love about the job? Oh my goodness, there's so much I love about the job. <laughs> there's so much. Uh, working at a nonprofit, it's funny. I I never really saw myself at a nonprofit because I did want to work that sort of nine to five job, but I actually get to do that there. And I get to do everything. So I do website development, which is not my favorite, <laughs> but I keep end up do, like doing it. Um, and social media, I get to write. I get to, um, every month we come out with an e-news and I get to write an advocacy piece or a journalism style piece. Um, so I get to do that. I get to do ads. I get to um, create really fun. One of the things that, that we did when I first came into work at Women's Health Clinic was that there was actually no communications person there or no communications role at all. And so I sort of got to define that. And one of the things that Uh, we decided was we sort of got the internal communications in order first and then um, bridged out with some external communication pieces. So like the e-news and because we don't have a lot of money, we had to do a lot of, um, we decided to do some sort of cheeky promo pieces that are, that uh, we developed for not a lot of money, like stickers that people put on their cell phone, but just for brand recognition. And so one of the first pieces we did were buttons that said vaginas are way cool Mm. 
And let me tell you, I have gotten so many phone calls for requests for orders for those buttons. And so just stuff like that and event planning, like it all sort of comes together. Um, and so I really never get bored, which is great because I, I am sort of a person who has to be doing 15 things at once. If I'm watching TV, I'm on my iPhone and my laptop and, you know, I have 15 things going on at once and I and I enjoy that. And so that is definitely my favorite part is that I'm absolutely never bored. Nice. We actually have a, a couple friends who have the vaginas are way cool sign <laughs> in their front window facing the street. So great. Yeah. As it's you so drive great. by. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that we have a photo actually on the Candid Conversations website. At the time of this recording, we have a photo on there. We do have Dan, one. of you holding that sign, which is oh, yeah, I guess so. pretty fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are those are very popular. Yes. It's, I mean, it's true. Vaginas are way, way cool. Um, so... That, that's really neat that you've been able to do so many different types of marketing. And I know like a lot of a lot of the guests we've had on for this first season of the podcast have been a lot more sort of small business owners rather than communication specialists specifically. So what are your two best tips? If you had two particular tips about how to do effective marketing for your business, what would they be? So I think the two tips that I would have is the first one is uh, know your audience. And I think the reason why everyone says that is because it's true. You need to sort of know who you're speaking to because they'll be the champions for your organization. So one of the things that um, we've really done is our sort of core group of supporters. We've tried to reach out and and re-engage them and really make them excited about Women's Health Clinic again so that they can go out and champion the brand, I guess you'd call it. Um, But I mean, we are are definitely in a in a situation now where we are going to have to move uh, locations or we're going to have to have a new building we've totally outgrown our building and we really need donations and so we know that we can count on those champions to sort of push that message out when that time comes and it's already starting but we're definitely going to be gearing up towards something bigger um the other thing Um, I really have to uh, recommend is partnerships. That's been one of the greatest things in my role that I've gotten to partner with a lot of different organizations, particularly um, Blackspace, uh, Earcom, different organizations like that. Um, Partnerships are really so important, I think, to not only nonprofits, but uh, a business because you have all those people behind you. And I know for Women's Health Clinic, it's really like double tripled our message when we've partnered with other people one of um another great partnership we've had is with cal barteski so uh she did this really cool selfie station with body positive messaging all around it and because one of the things that um people always said was that they confused women's hospital with women's health clinic they didn't know where we were so I wasn't sure how to get people down to our location and like see our building and know where we were, that we weren't the women's hospital. And so we reached out to Cal and she did this great selfie station. We had like 200 people post the first week of pictures talking about like really amazing inspirational things like about how they'd been at war with their body and now they weren't and and just like really amazing things and so she also collaborated with us for our new shirts that say nevertheless we persist which two out of three of us are wearing right now very much so we'll get a picture of it put it up on the podcast (laughs) absolutely and so i think that um 
that those partnerships have been really uh, mutually beneficial for, for all of us. You can really learn from other people and really spread the word about what you do and what they do. So I think that's really important. What kind of advice or helpful tips would you have for anyone trying to get into your line of work, which is communications for nonprofit or anything like that? Because your your job sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really great. Um, I think, you know, my education with CRECOM was really integral to, um, was really important in helping me uh, get back into this communications field. Uh, it taught me a lot of intro stuff like InDesign, um, some web stuff, kind of a little bit of everything that I really do use almost every single day. Um, I can't say enough good things about that program. It's two years of your life, but it really uh, helped me, especially because I was a little bit older going into the program. So I had never taken InDesign or anything like that. Um, and so I think strong design skills uh, for non, like if you're planning on going into nonprofit communications, really important, strong writing skills. So grammar, all that other stuff. I think uh, when you're in sort of a nonprofit job where you want to do everything, you have to do those things yourself. There isn't a ton of checks and balances. I'm lucky that I have someone on my team that is absolutely fabulous with grammar. So she always edits my work. Uh, Her name is Deb and she's fabulous. And I have another person on my team, Candice, who I actually taught in design um, and that sort of stuff too. And so she does a lot of that design work as well. Um, So we kind of watch each other's, you know, back and that kind of thing. But um, if you're going to get into it, I think you should absolutely go for it. It's a totally rewarding career. There is definitely more jobs coming up with nonprofit communications because nonprofits are realizing how much they actually need this work. Um, And because a lot of nonprofits are doing such good work, but it's not out there. And so I think a lot of them are realizing that they need to. Um, but I, I do really recommend just going for it. If you're older and going back to school, you can do it. It's hard, but you can do it. And I really don't think I could have done this program or gotten this job when I was 18. I just wasn't focused enough. Um, but now I, it's what I wanted and, and really going for it and that type of thing. But learning design work and getting your grammar down, learning, like really working on your writing is really important. So what's coming up next for Women's Health Clinic? Uh, So Women's Health Clinic is just starting to embark on the strategic plans. We have a lot of different goals that we're really starting to work on and strategize about, which is really my favorite part. Um, So that's coming up as well as increased donations. We're also having a... um, another dance party. So one of the pictures you'll see, I believe, on the website uh, was taken from our last dance party. Which was amazing, I have to say. It it was was a great time. It really was. And so Mama Cutsworth will be back for that. And so it is going to be September 23rd, which I think will be coming up right away. And um, and then hopefully we're going to sort of launch into this new era, era where we're looking for a new space and really trying to push our message out there. We have a fairly new executive director who is Teresa Oswald, who's fabulous. And so she's really just putting us out there. Nice. Awesome. And we will have links to the dance party and information about Women's Health Clinic and how you can donate at candidpodcast.ca slash EP9. And just for the mere fact, even though we're going to have it on the website, where can people go to find more about the Women's Health Clinic? So if you're looking for just our programs and services, you can go to womenshealthclinic.org. 
but we have a brand new donation website. So if you're inclined to make a donation to Women's Health Clinic, please go to givewhc.com and even, you know, a couple dollars a month really helps us. And you're also on social media. I am on social media, <laughs> yes. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, we have a Twitter and we have an Instagram and it's all at WHC Winnipeg. Well, thank you so much for being so candid with us today. And we'll have all the links up on candidpodcast.ca slash EP9. Uh, and thank you again for coming to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Candid Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your friends and coworkers. You can tweet or find us on Instagram at juxtacoms, J-U-X-T-A-C-O-M-M-S, to let us know what your thoughts are and if you have any questions for the next episode. Visit candidpodcast.ca to learn more about this podcast and to access the show notes for every single episode. Thanks to the Gas Station Arts Center for sponsoring this episode. What up, Sagan? How's it going, buddy? What's going on? What are we, what are we, what are we doing? What are, what are we talking about? <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> you want to try it once more? Okay. okay. <laughs>